Amen. So, the, what's the mess that Paul's dealing with today? It, it, it all centers around um, the resurrection of Jesus. An important part, in fact. Um, it's on the short list of just a few things that are the most important things or truths or realities in all of humanity. Um, the resurrection was and still is a major d dividing line between Christians and, and most other beliefs. Um, in the first century, uh, Greeks believed that, that the, and this would have been the culture that, that Paul is and this church in Corinth is living in, um, as we've talked about before, but, but to, the, to the Greek mind, there was... There was um, there was some, like, somewhat of an afterlife, but it was the soul that was eternal. And the bodies that we have were these kind of corrupt things. Um, some would even say evil things. And so there was this, this uh, separation of the two. And so, so when you died, the, the Greeks believed that, that your soul lived on, but your body passed away, and that was, that was the end. But that, that's the culture in which Paul, uh, the, the church is living. And it's believed that Paul's writing in response to reports that, that there were those in the church at Corinth who were, who were starting to believe or ask questions or be proponents of this idea that, that Christ resurrected, that Jesus died, Jesus rose again on the third day in the flesh, um, but, that the, but not in the bodily resurrection of the rest of us. Right? They were trying to make this, this delineation that Jesus, is, Jesus did re, raise from the dead um, physically, but, but that maybe we, maybe we as the rest of, 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 of humanity, maybe our resurrection is uh, not coincidentally, sounds a lot like the Greek way of thinking, that, that it's just our souls or spirits raise. And, um, and so Paul is addressing this issue in this chapter. And he's going to do it in, in kind of three, three parts. And he, he, he starts with what they, they all agree on, okay? With what that church, what they as the church agree on anyway. And that is, Jesus died and was bodily resurrected, all right? That, that, that's, it was important for them. Um, it, it's, it's just as important for us to understand the significance of that for us. That that is, that is an essential truth of the gospel. That Jesus died and was bodily resurrected. In the first 11 verses, Paul lays out the, the evidences for, for, for this reality. It's, it is the essential and maybe the most pivotal issue in the world. It is one of the few dividing lines between what is, what is Christian, or what is, use the nerdy term, the orthodox Christianity, and what is, is not. This is one of those um, kind of line in the sand, core, core issues for us as, as believers, um, of between what, 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 what is considered Christian and what is not Christian. And there, there are a few others, but hint, most of them also have to do with Jesus. <laughs> um, and if you want to know what a, a particular belief or denomination, um, whether they're Christian or not, this is probably one of the first places you should look or the first things you should ask a question about. 
Um, what do, does that, that group or that person or that, that church, what do they believe about the death and resurrection of Jesus? It is, it is a dividing line. And the fact that it's a dividing line shows us um, how important it is. You know, th- there are, one of the most, I think, amazing things about, about Jesus is, um, the reality is, almost every major religion in the world uh, mostly agrees with us about Jesus. Did you know that? Almost everyone, Hindu, uh, Buddhism, uh, Muslim, all of those faiths have Jesus as a part of their understanding of spirituality. They, uh, everybody agrees, he, he, first off, he existed, that he was significant, that he was a good teacher, and then depending on the faith uh, and kind of their, their belief, what he is beyond that is, is kind of morphed into to that particular faith. Um, you know, in Buddhism, it's, it's not about a specific savior, it's more about the, this uh, enlightenment, and, and Jesus was this kind of like perfect expression, he had reached this full enlightenment. Um, we have, in the Muslim faith, they believe that Jesus was a teacher, a prophet. He did miracles. They believe he ascended into heaven. And they believe that he, he will sit next to God at the great judgment. That sounds, that sounds very, like, right, right? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Some of you may be like, what? That doesn't, that can't be true. That is true. I, I, that, is, that is part of the, the Muslim faith. But here's, and here's where the diversion come. And, and you know, it's, it's on the, it, it, the devil's in the details, right? But uh, they believe all of that, but they deny that he died on the cross, was buried, or was buried, or bodily rose again. They claim it was, it was uh, kind of some illusion, basically, that he, he swooned is a word that, 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 that they used to describe it. All of, the, all of these religions believe in, in, in Jesus, believe in Jesus in some facet, but all of them, when it comes to the resurrection, they do some squirrely things. They change it. Why? Because the resurrection is the, the heart of the gospel. It's the heart of Christianity. You know, we, we as Christians, um, celebrate's a bad word, appreciate, are motivated by the cross, and rightfully so, it is, and I think a lot of it is, it's a lot more um, relatable to us. We understand sacrifice, even if we, we understand it from the perspective of how hard it is and we don't like to do it, right? <laughs> we, we, we have some experience, some, some exper- uh, experience with, with death. We, we get that. So the, the de- Jesus' death on the cross and why he did it and how he did it is very compelling to us. But, but sometimes I think we, we, we miss his resurrection. We, we don't focus on it as much because it's so other, <laughs> We don't have any context for a resurrection. We don't have any context for something or someone being raised from the dead. But, but it, w- without it, and what we're going to see today is Paul's taking this whole chapter to really focus on exactly that. The resurrection of, of Jesus and the repercussions it has for us. 
From the day Jesus resurrected until now, it has always been understood and believed by the church that Jesus physically died and physically rose again. I'm pointing that out um, because uh, I just want to make that clear. There are some claims, and, and um, you, you'll, you may hear uh, from, from different camps that one, one of the ways that they try and... Uh, change Christianity because how many know there are there are um, there are people that are seeking to do that um, and we won't get into who and, and why and all that that's I mean, a series for another day um, but one of the ways that that happens is they they <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Star Trek lately um, <laughs> and all of the series you know if, if you're a Star Trek fan they always get caught in these like you know, there's always a bad guy, of course, and, and one of the most common ways that the bad guy tries to take over the world is they go back in time, and they change some event in the, in the past so that, you know, all of a sudden, the, this, this current, the current time is all messed up, right? Um, well, that's kind of what, what, what is happening in some, some camps right now. They're, they're trying to rewrite our past to change our current understanding of, of, of what Christianity is. And so it, it's important that, that and I, I try to take some of these opportunities to highlight um, some of these truths so that we understand that if you ever hear, even within Christian camps, somebody talking about how, well, you know, the original church fathers were not really sure about what they believed about Jesus and whether he was, he was actually raised from the dead, or we have these thoughts over here, it, I tell you, it, it's, it's bunk. There is no, there is no, um, there is no legitimate scholarly evidence that the that Christianity from from the day Jesus died till now that 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 the church that was formed right in Acts two up until today that there was ever a time where the church believed anything other than Jesus died in a body three days and rose in a body. That's, that is what we believed and we have believed. So um, we can take confidence in that, 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 that and, and all the, the, the scholarly work and all the evidence and all our tradition holds to that reality, that that is what we have believed since the beginning. There are even external, um, you can look at, at Jewish and some Jewish and Roman histories, right? Outside of the, the Christian record of that time that, that allude to the same thing. There's, there's Jewish historians who, you know, uh, the Judaism does not acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah. So it's not their history. But we, you can see in it the accounts of, of how they, they handled it, right? They didn't deny that, they never denied that the disciples claimed that Jesus rose from the grave. They don't even deny that the, they didn't even deny that the tomb was empty. Their claim was the gardener stole him. That's, we'll leave that for another day as well. So, all that to say, this is what we have believed. And in the middle of this chapter, Paul is going to dedicate, going to talk about how, um, how you can't separate Christ's resurrection from our belief in a coming resurrection for us all. 
The, the two are inextricably linked. And Paul's going to go in and explain why that, why that is. Jesus either rose from the dead and there is a resurrection for his people and for all people, or he didn't and there isn't anything coming. It's one or the other. There is no in-between. And so, with all of that preamble, let's jump into our, our text for today. Uh, 1 Corinthians, starting in, in verse 1. Paul says, Now, uh, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. I'll pause here just for a minute, because um, this verse, it's, it, it's funny. Uh, it's, it's easy for us to kind of miss, <laughs> misconstrue this. Uh, Paul is talking about scriptures. How many know um, this was... So this was right after Jesus had just died, right, right in this generation. Um, the New Testament had not been written yet, right? Paul, Paul's literally writing it, <laughs> right? So in the New Testament, anytime you're reading the New Testament, you know, Matthew, the Gospels, any of the letters, um, this is just a, a kind of a mental thing you just have to, and I forget sometimes too, we just have to shift. Anytime in the New Testament someone talks about Scripture, they're not talking about the New Testament. They're talking about the Old Testament. Um, so Paul is, and, and I bring that up to, to highlight the reality that, that Jesus' resurrection was talked about in the Old Testament. And they understood that it was talked about in the Old Testament. I'll give you two, two verses real quickly before we jump back into our text. Uh, that, that Paul was most likely referencing here. And the first is Isaiah 26, 19. He said, uh, and the prophet writes, But those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy. For your life-giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. And then in Daniel chapter 12, um, that prophet writes, At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. And then there will be a time of anguish greater than any, any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who will rise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. So the resurrection is not a, a, was not a, a new idea. God had, been, God had been promising it and has been, been telling us about it and preparing us for understanding and revelation of this reality since the beginning. If we jump back into our, our, our text Paul, Paul continues, starting in verse, in, in verse 4, he says, He, Jesus, was buried, he was, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as Scripture said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Then, not now, obviously. Uh, though some have died. 
Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though, uh, as though I had been born at the wrong time, such an interesting phrase, uh, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. And not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach. For we all preach the same message that you have already believed. You can't deny that is what they claimed. It's the whole point of this first section. That, that, that was the claim of the, of the initial church. That Jesus is physically risen. And because he was, we will be. And now we come to the, to the middle section where Paul is going to explain how Jesus' resurrection is completely connected to our coming resurrection. Starting in verse 12, he says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we, apostles, would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection from the dead. And if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. And in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. Now, this, this, this section kind of sounds a little bit like circular reasoning, a little bit, right? It's kind of this, you know, well, if, if, he, didn't, if he rose, then we raise. But, and I can prove that by saying, you know, he rose because we're going to raise. It's, it's a little circular. It sounds a little circular. But we have to remember, Paul is talking to those that were trying to keep Jesus' resurrection and lose the, the bodily resurrection of, of us, right? So he, he's anchoring his argument in the part that they already agree. That's why he started with that. Um, so he, 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 this is not, again, he's not starting from scratch with non-believers. He's addressing people. He's addressing the church. He's reminding them that Jesus made it clear what he came to do. And he either did it or he didn't. We don't, you can't change what it was that he said he came to do. Now, why would some believers be trying to separate these two? Why would, why, what, what's, the, what's the gain here? And I think we don't, he doesn't extrap or, you know, elaborate on the motives, but I think it's, it's a safe assumption, and there may be some um, just personal evaluation application to bringing this up, that um, I think it's, it's a pretty easy leap to, to, to think that it was cultural pressure. I don't think it's a coincidence that they were, they were, they were making the argument, argument, they were trying to shift this, this understanding and fit their Christianity to, to within the cultural norms. That that was, just so happened to be what everybody else believed. That you, you know, you had a soul and when you lived on, but there was no bodily resurrection coming. 
They were trying to find a compromise. And Paul is saying, listen, guys, this is a line in the sand. This is a line in the sand. We, we cannot cross this. This is not an area that we can negotiate or compromise. This is an all or nothing proposal. Either Jesus is what he says he is or he isn't. And that is, that is when we look at all the other... Um, all the other religions in the world that we talked about earlier, that is the, one of the most uh, interesting things is they all include Jesus, but they do it in a way that, that ignores what he said about himself. And to me, that's one of the, one of the, the most obvious evidences in, um, in the claims of Christianity over every other religion. Is that they're trying to, there's this person called Jesus that is so central to humanity that can't be denied and everybody acknowledges. But all of these other, all these other individual beliefs have, are, are taking parts of what he claims, but not the rest of it. And that's what, what, was, what was being tempted to happen, the, the, the church here was being tempted to do, to take parts of what, what he did or what he claims and not the other. And Paul is, Paul is trying to put, put a stop to it. We continue in verse 19, he says, And if our hope, is, our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone else in the world. Now, Paul, Paul says this, um, because in their context, if there's no resurrection coming, following Jesus is just a really, really raw deal. Because in their, in their life, in their experience, there were no present-day benefits to it. There was almost only sacrifice in their, in their culture. And, that's, and we have to uh, kind of acknowledge and, and appreciate our situation um, and get some distance from their expression because we're sitting here in the USA in 2023 and for the most part, most of us can't really understand that because although I, it's gotten maybe tougher here than say 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, most of us can make out in this life pretty well still following Jesus. Right, you can still, you can still have a nice life and be 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 an outspoken follower of Jesus. Eh, someone may, you know, call you a name here or there. You may lose an opportunity or here or there. But for the most part, we are still free to to. And in an environment like that, Christianity um, will thrive because it's just a smart way to live. Right? I mean, God. God is brilliant, and if you live the way he says, you're going to, outside of, an, outside of external forces, you're going, to, um, you're, you're going to kind of rise to the top. That, that, that's, that, that makes sense. Um, but that's not true in every situation. That wasn't true for first century church. That's, that's not true for, for uh, the church right now in other locations, in other parts of the world. Um, 
where, where there is very little outside of the internal witness and, and, and strengthening uh, of the Holy Spirit within them, there is no, there is no worldly gain to be had from, from being a Christian. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, guys, if this isn't, if, if there's not a resurrection, then, then what are we doing? Um, he goes on, and that's kind of, the, <laughs> that's kind of the, but he, and then he, he brings some encouragement in verse 20. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is, he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And um, this, this, this phrase here is actually, an, uh, he, Paul is alluding to something very specific. In most um, translations, that, that uh, he is the first of a great harvest, a lot of them have uh, first fruits there. Paul's pointing to a very specific situation. See, there was, there was a part of the Passover celebration, a part of um, that, that festival. If you remember, um, we talked about actually the triumphal entry uh, back at Easter, how, how you know, Jesus uh, last week on earth was, was in Jerusalem at the time of the Passover festival, that, that Jewish festival that celebrated, you know, um, Israel's uh, freedom from Egypt. Uh, there was a there's a part of that that time that that is called the 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 festival of the the first fruits or the first fruit offering. And the morning after the the Passover Sabbath, Jews were instructed. And this is in the Old Testament, Leviticus twenty three. Jews were instructed to take an offering of the first fruits of their barley harvest. So it was right around that time. The barley harvest was the first of the harvest to come in, and and the Jews were supposed to take um, to take a ta- an offering of that and bring it to the to the temple, bring it to uh, or the tabernacle or whatever was they had it, depending on what time in history it was, and present it to the Lord. And it was, it was a, a recognition of the rest of the harvest that was, that was coming. It was a statement of faith. It was a statement of, it was a, a statement of gratitude. It was an acknowledgement that there is, there is a whole harvest that is coming. And we, and we recognize that and we thank you, Lord, for it. Um, that, that, that offering was set up to be the, the morning after the Passover Sabbath. Right? That was that uh, that was the same morning that Jesus rose from the dead. And so Paul here is making the connection that they would have already known. See, we we need all this backstory to understand it, but they would have they would have seen it in real time that that Jesus was making this statement um, even in, in his life, in his resurrection itself, that on the day he chose to raise from the dead that that he is this first fruit, that he is the first of a harvest to come. Paul was subtly uh, this is Paul's Paul, subtle poetic reference to this truth, but now he's going to spell it out. 
Um, for, for those, those of us, and I think, I think the second part, that was written for them. You know, we always talk about how, you know, the Bible is written, uh, for us, but not to us. I think that first part by, <laughs> under the Holy Spirit was inspired, uh, to them. This second part, I think he wrote for us because they got it on the first part. So this, this part's for us starting in verse 20, 21. And, and, and if this doesn't, if this is worth the price of admission right here, guys, I, I mean, this is, if, if this doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what would. Uh, verse 21 says, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. Because there is an old order to this resurrection, Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. And then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And after that, the end will come. When he will, return, he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And his last enemy uh, to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things under, are under his authority, that doesn't include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his Son authority over all things will be utterly supreme and over everything, everywhere. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. That, that, is, that is the heart. That is, that is why. That is what makes following Jesus worth it. Listen, we are, we are not. Um, the Bible talks about how we loved Christ because Christ first loved us. He makes us these, these new creations. And outside, it is only, we, we are only capable of a, of a better deal exchange. It's not till we get a new nature that we have the capacity for true, true sacrifice. It is, it is the, the promise and the power of the resurrection that, that gives us the ability to connect with God. I'm going to just keep reading because, I, like I said, Paul, Paul's got, got more, he can say it better than I, I can. But some may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? This is part of Paul's now going into um, Paul's going into some of the details. You know, we 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 talk a lot about, uh, uh, or some people really uh, talk a lot about, or are fixated on on on, on uh, you know. Actually, our logos right now, uh, our one of our Bible studies is is going through Revelation, and that's that's wonderful. There's lots of value in it, and, and here is here is. Uh, Paul's need to know about what's coming. Someone asked, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? Verse 36, what a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of weed or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there, there are different kinds of flesh. 
One kind for humans, another for an animal, others for birds, others for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and the stars have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is in the same way with the, resec- with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted into the ground when we die, but they will be raised to life forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And Scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, and then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like that earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we, as we are now like the earthly man, someday we will be made like the heavenly man. What am I saying, dear brothers and sisters, that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the the trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then when our dying bodies have been transformed... That will, into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Oh, death, death is swallowed up into victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is, is the sting of the results in death. And the, law that, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul leaves us with, with one application, one verse this morning. All that is, 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 is the, the truth. And then Paul, within one sentence, you know, if you have a really good point, the application is, it doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. <laughs> And so we have all of this, we have all of this point that Paul is making, and he just has one verse of application. He says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Jesus, God of the universe, came, died, rose again, defeating death. We who are, are, are likewise right now living an eternal life. You ever stop and think about that? You are living an eternal life right now. Right this moment. And, and someday we will experience the fullness of that life. You know, it, it, it's interesting, the, the, the older I get, um, the more I... I 
I understand or I see my, how our perspectives about time change with time. You notice that? You know, kids are, are hard to negotiate with because they, they, they have such a, such a different um, perspective, such a limited perspective on time. It's really hard for them to, to wrap their minds around the idea of a future gain. That's why they're so hard to negotiate with. They're little terrorists. Because they only understand right now. But as we mature, for, for the most part, hopefully, um, as we mature, not as we get older, because those are two separate things. <laughs> um, as we mature, we, we grow in our ability to trade present sacrifices for future gains. Right, because we, we, as we understand that time, it, time kind of the older you get, the faster time goes, and the, the more that we just have a better understanding of how that works. Our view of time impacts our decisions, our emotions, our plans. You know, having to put up with something for a week when you're. 45 or when you're 60 is much different than having to put up for something put up with something when you're 7 you know my daughter Gracie I mean a, 2 hours to her is like you know if I say we're going to the pool in 2 hours you would think you would think it was December 31st and she, and, she, and she was acting like she was waiting for Christmas. Right? It just, just, it was just so long. But I'm 45, two hours, that's, that's nothing. That's, I mean, I look at two hours, I'm like, I can't get anything done in two hours. I need at least half a day. So I, I want to leave us, leave us with a, 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 some questions, knowing that. In view of everything we just, we just talked about, the resurrection, so the, it begs the question, are you living your life like you're going to live forever? Is the reality of the resurrection of Jesus reflectant in your life? Are you making your decisions based on an eternal life? Or are they based on what will work for today? Are your emotions grounded in a coming resurrection? Or are they constantly being swayed by immediate circumstances? And listen, the, the, you know, we've been talking a lot about, we spent a couple of, couple of weeks talking about, you know, the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about being filled with the Spirit. Part of, part of what the Spirit does is, is, is equip us to do just this. Give us the, an eternal perspective on our lives. And so much, especially sometimes with, with our emotions, we, we can be deceived into thinking that, that this, is, this is something that we are somehow, um, is somehow unattainable. 
That my emotions, my emotions are what my emotions are. And I can't really shift that. Listen, they, they, can, they will shift as a result of an increasing understanding and reality of the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that you're going to live forever. It, it, it's just, a, it'll be a natural byproduct of that. The more real Jesus coming back for you or you going to him is, the more you, that is going to control and temper and regulate your, your emotions about circumstances. There's a reason why for, for generations since, since the birth of the church, we have story after story after story of, of regular men and women being tortured and, and killed and martyred for their faith with a smile on their face. They're not superhumans. They're not some other special reserved class of Christian and spirituality that you, you have no access to attain to. They were just convinced of a resurrection. They weren't, they weren't being killed that day. They were being promoted. <laughs> and they, and they, were, they were smiling because, thank God, this is over. <laughs> God wants to... God wants to give us that perspective that we look at our lives, we look at our decisions, we look at how I, we spend our money in light of the fact that we are living forever. What in your daily life points, points to your belief in that reality? Are your life plans and goals connected in any way to the resurrection? What, what long-term plans are you working towards because of the, the kingdom ROI? You guys know that? I'm probably familiar with that term, ROI, return on investment. What part of your, your long-term plans for your life are strategically, with prayer and, and faith, are you, are you working towards that has, that has kingdom returns, not, not, not necessarily, you know, retirement returns, or, you know, uh, Caribbean cruise returns. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going on vacation. I hope to do that someday. Um, But we also should, should, it should be so real to us that, that, that I, am I am going to live forever and there is a kingdom coming and, and I have an opportunity. The Bible teaches us that we have the ability to store up treasures in heaven. How do we, how, how can I, how can I get on that plan? What in your daily life points to that kind of belief. If we took, if we took, took those things away in your, your life, if we removed everything that, was, that was, uh, uh, was there because it was an eternal practice or because you were, you were living for a kingdom that's yet to come, um, every, every, uh, every prayer, every, every time in the word, every dollar you gave, how would your life be different?
Would it look any different? Uh, I'd say that not to not to to, to be harsh or condemning. Uh, I'm saying if, if that's you, if that if that sorry, uh, if that <laughs> if that was a little harsh or or or, or felt convicting. It, let me give you some good news. You have a ton of opportunity to grow. Then, <laughs> there, you, you, if you're not dead, then you're not done. You have whatever days God has given you left to invest those in the in the eternal. So let's let Paul's words to guide that group so long ago do the same for us. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Let me pray for you today. God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. We most Today, we, we, we are reminded of your amazing resurrection, your power, the fact that you, you, you rose so that you could raise us. And we thank you for that this morning. God, we ask that, that we, would, we would leave here, that this week, this month, that we would, we would, it would not leave our minds and our hearts, that we are, we are eternal now. And that, that we have a, a kingdom bank account that we can invest in, that is worth investing in. God, give us eyes to see. Holy Spirit, would you equip us? Would you change us so that, that our perspective of our lives is seen in light of eternity? Pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen.